Hello. All right. Go ahead and find a seat. Feel free to change seats if you want. This, uh, if, you're, if you're wondering, our, our lighting system in here is really interesting. That's not ours. The flight's lighting system is really weird. It's some kind of sort of California compliant thing where it matches the lighting outside. So this, believe it or not, is on full blast, uh, which is pretty awesome. Uh, so the brighter it gets outside, the brighter it gets in here, which makes, oh, darker, it makes no sense. It's like, why can't we just set the lights? So just don't pray about it. Um, anyways, first world problems. Uh, is it weird to anybody else that it's December? I mean, I, I, f- I, I feel like it's 2020 still. 2020 and 2021 was just a blur. Remember a year ago uh, when... <laughs> When we're like, man, 2021, or 2020 was just such a weird year. 2021 is going to be amazing. We thought we were out of the pandemic, and here we are a year later. So well done. You made it this far. Uh, but I can't believe uh, it's, it's December already. I want to highlight, Natalie did mention it a little bit. Uh, and uh, next week is one you're not going to want to miss. It's, we're, we're not going to, well, let me just say this. You're going to find a way to practically and tangibly help, support, uh, change someone's life. And sometimes we, we, we say change a life, impact a life. We say that in, in some uh, kind of like a, um, it just feels over the top. It feels exaggerated. This is not that. Next week, you'll, you'll be able to be a part of something that I really believe will only even change your family's life. Change, it'll be a momentous moment for us as a church. You can practically, practically and tangibly change someone's life in the Philippines. In a village, like we as a church, and I can't, I'm trying to go, don't say too much. We're, we're going to make an eternal difference uh, in a village in some of the hardest, most challenging uh, village area island in the Philippines. And we'll tell you more about it next week, but you're not going to want to miss it. If you're watching online, that camera's on. If you're watching online and if you haven't come to church in person yet, come next week. Okay, please come next week. Uh, we can't wait to tell you more about it. We've been working on it for months. Uh, so I know you guys have been texting and messaging. What, where is it? What are we doing? I'll let you know next week. But it's going to be uh, awesome. And I, and, I, and I can tell you unashamedly to partner with this organization because there's like zero benefit like for us as a church. Like we don't get any kickback. It's 100% blessing this village. And I, as a family, we're already praying about what we're going to do. Uh, so yeah. Anywho, okay, so we're in this series. This is week five of a series that we're calling It Came From Within. It came From Within. And we've been basing the content of the series on this book called Enemies of the Heart. Uh, and I highly challenge you to uh, buy the book uh, wherever you do books. If you do audiobooks or digital books or dead tree books, whatever your thing uh, is, highly challenge you to do that. It's been so fun to see people text me pictures of their marked up books and that kind of thing. Uh, you can't really mark up an audiobook, but of ways of taking this content further because I realize I talk fast, especially if I've had coffee in me like right now. So I realize that. Just pretend that it's, some of you guys listen to audiobooks on one and a half speed. This is church on one and a half speed. Okay, so I, but I realize we go through content quickly and we're going to do that again today. And sometimes you just want to, Nellie always gets on me. She's like, just pause for a second. Let them take in that what you just said before you launch into the next thing. No, because you can listen to this later, pause it. And then process it on your own. So the book is your way of being able to take the content further because you can't do heart surgery quickly. You can give mental assent to something quickly, but you can't do heart surgery 
quickly, right? If, you, if you're fishing and you want the, the sinker to go, to go to the bottom, you have to let it sit there. The faster you pull, the more shallow it is. And I don't know about you, but there's just such a speed of life, a hecticness, hecticness of life that causes us, if we're not careful, to live shallowly. And then we wake up one day and we realize there's no depth to our soul. And it's because we're going too fast. So all that to say, get the book. It's worth the $11.99 or whatever it is, right, uh, to, to do some heart work. And why we're taking five weeks to go through this series is because of verses like this in Proverbs chapter 4. So Solomon said this. He's known as the wisest man uh, to ever live. And he said this. He goes, above all else, above all else, guard your heart. In other words, if you don't listen to anything else I say, if you ignore everything else, all the other books I've, I've, I've written, not Solomon speaking, if you don't remember anything, if you remember one thing, do this. Guard your heart, monitor your heart, watch your heart. Be like a, a guard, a security guard over the door of your heart. Watch what goes in, watch go, what goes out. Why? Because everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. Monitor your heart. See, we've been taught growing up to mind your what? Manners, right? Especially, what would you, you think? Mind your business. <laughs> Worry about yourself. Mind your own business. Uh, that's also a good lesson. No, we taught to mind your manners, right? How, how many of you guys remember like pulling up to maybe uh, when you were little and your parents went to a friend's house and in the car, they had, you kind of had that sit down before you get in the house. That's like, don't you embarrass us right? And or something, my mom used to pinch me under the table when I would say something dumb because a lot of times I'll speak and the first time I'm hearing it is with you. Like I haven't thought through, I'm, I'm just as shocked as what I said as you are, you know? And my mom would be pinching me or now he's kicking me under the table, you know? And so we've been taught to mind our manners, to watch our behavior. But see, that's only the surface, we all know the times where we can mind our manners and watch our behavior. We say the right things. We do the right things. But that's not what we really mean under the surface, right? Like, it's like the kid who, whose parent says, you know, say you're sorry. And they're like, sorry. You're not sorry. They're saying the right things. They're doing the right things. But under the surface, the heart is still not sorry. So we've been taught to mind our manners. We've been taught to watch our behavior. But no one ever, ever really teaches us to guard our heart. Because that's where all this stuff really comes from. Everything comes from your heart. You live from your heart. You love from your heart. You spend money from your heart. You parent from your heart. You handle relationships from your heart. There's times where we will say the right things and do the right things. And every once in a while when circumstances are right or when we're tired or we don't get enough sleep or our boss says the wrong thing and the, just the straw that breaks the camel's back and you say something or you react in a certain way and you're going, where did that come from? Where did that anger or that jealousy or that greed, where did that come from? It came from your heart. And it welled up enough or your heart got toxic enough or tired enough where it broke through the lines of your behavior modification, the filter that you've meticulously constructed and it punched through and we got a glimpse of who you actually are. A lot of times, board games are this way, right? Board games are just a great way to find out what you're really like, right? Like, I feel like games like Monopoly should just be called Who's a Jerk in Our Friendship Circle? Right? Because you're going to find out what people are really like. And some of our heart health, whether good or bad, is because of our decisions, right? Things we've chosen to do positively or negatively. But a lot of times our heart is affected by things that are 
completely outside of our control. See, life has a way of lodging things in your heart. We've talked about this. And if we don't deal, if we don't clean that stuff out of our heart, the stuff that's lodged into our heart, if we don't clean them out, just like a splinter in your finger, it begins to kind of get sore, get sensitive, right? And you can't even shake someone's hand because if they touch it a certain way, you hurt and you react. And some of us were like, why did I react like that? There's something lodged in our heart that normally that shouldn't affect you, but it does. Why? And it's not that person. It's not the circumstance. It's not what they did. It's something in here that we haven't dealt with. So four weeks ago, we asked you this question. And innocently and naively, you were like, yeah, I'm going to do this. When we asked you this question, we said, will you take responsibility for your heart? We're going to go on this five-week journey. Will you take responsibility for your heart? In other words, will will you just not blame other people? Just for a moment, will you not blame other people? We not blame other circumstances. And I'm not saying that the circumstances don't deserve blame or the people that did things to you or said things to you, they don't deserve blame because they do. But you know what? They're going to be held accountable to God for what they do. You're going to be held accountable for your response to what they do. So will you take responsibility for your heart? Not theirs. You're not the police for everybody. You're not newsflash. You can't control anybody. You can barely control yourself. But will you take responsibility for your heart And we started this series by asking you permission to let us have hard conversations. We said we're going to ask you to do things and we're going to talk about things that you're not going to want to talk about. You're going to say it's not me. And then we find out that it is you and you do deal with that and that stuff is in your heart. We're going to ask you to do things that you're not going to want to do. Right? And will you let us have those hard conversations in your attendance here? Either you're going, I didn't know what we're doing here at church my first time, or you know willingly uh, that you're on the hot seat. So this past few weeks, we've talked about guilt. Eric did a great job, Elder Eric. You can just call him that, Elder Eric. Uh, (laughs) Greed, we talked about greed. Uh, Natalie talked about anger. And then this week, we're going to talk about jealousy. Just really good feel, a feel-good series, right? So you go to church going, I deal with greed and anger and guilt. And today, we're going to talk about how jealous you are as a person. You're going to leave just feeling really great about yourself. But we're going to end this series talking about jealousy. What's interesting about jealousy is we, we, we see it as something a lot of times that kids deal with, right? You know, the kid that's like, I don't want to share my crayons. They took, I mean, our kids would argue about the dumbest things. I know, you, I know your kids never did this, but our kids would argue because someone took the red crayon and they wanted the red crayon. Or some, there's like a thousand Legos. They took the piece that I wanted to pick. Or, Dad, how come I can't have a cell phone? All my friends have cell phones. No, they don't. No, they don't. Or, how come we can't go see this movie? We want, how come they, they their, their parents did this for, for vacation? How come we don't? And, and at some point you want to say, grow up right? And we think it's only for kids. And when this stuff wells in ourselves, we don't call it jealousy. We call it something else, which we'll talk about here. But even in our own hearts, we're going, grow up. Why are you jealous of their car, their lawn, their vacation, whatever? What is going on? But the reality is, even though we think we're supposed to outgrow this stuff, we don't. And all of us, all of us, me included, man, I'm probably the chief center of this. We all deal with envy and jealousy, maybe we, we see some people and you don't like them. You can't figure out why. You can't put your finger on it. Some stuff, some people, it's obvious why you don't like them. That's not what we're talking about today. There's, there's some people you're going, why do they bother me so much? I don't want to hang out with them. But if you pay attention, if you dig around, it actually may be envy or jealousy. We'll see someone have something that you don't 
have, and, or they have someone that you don't have, or they, they, they post pictures about all this cool stuff, and you think their, their spouse brings them flowers at 2 p.m. every day, and they're always getting new cars and going on vacation. Like, do you ever work? And all, and you're, but the reality is they, they can fit into things that you don't fit into, right? And maybe any more since the before times of COVID, right? And they, maybe, maybe they've succeeded where you haven't succeeded. And the problem is the closer you get to them, the worse you feel about yourself. And even as I'm saying this, it sounds childish, doesn't it? To say it out loud. And you're like, just grow up. But we all deal with it. We all deal with it. I don't know if you get those screen notifications or if you have screen time. I don't know if the Android version of that. I'm a Christian, so I use an iPhone. So, but it's been really hard this last couple of years. We know who our green friends are. You ruin every group message circle. You know, just, you're on our prayer list. Like, I've even contemplated putting like, like GoFundMes to just pay for people to buy iPhones for them, but they don't even, they don't even want them. I want like the tenacity in my life to fight for the things I care about that Android users have to not get an iPhone. Like this, the endurance and the stick to it. Anyways, I'll get you on the hot seat. But, but what we do is we don't deal with jealousy, do we? We don't deal with it. We avoid the ones we're jealous of, right? We avoid the ones we're jealous of or we get critical of them and we say the dumbest things out loud or maybe even just in our own hearts. We say things like, you know, I don't, I don't want to hang out with them. They're just too nice. I don't want to hang out with them. They're just like almost too friendly. They're too pretty. I mean, there's one guy at the gym who has a six-pack, and he has like a 12-pack, actually. And there one of the other guys at the gym was like, and sometimes this guy, when he's working out by himself, won't wear a shirt, right? And one of the other guys at the gym was like, how come, how come that guy just doesn't wear a shirt sometimes? I'm like, come on, you're jealous, bro. If I look like that, I wouldn't even own shirts. I would just, everywhere I go, and the shirts I did own would just have this cut out, just so that you know kind of what I'm working with, right? So, but it's jealousy. We look at it as like, oh, he just bothers me. No, he doesn't. You're just jealous. He just reminds you of what you don't have, right? So we don't say we're jealous. We don't say we're envious. We just couch it in different terms. Because sometimes what that person is, or that family is, is there a reflection of something you wish you were, but you're not. Something you wish you had, but you don't. And then you project that frustration. I project that frustration back on them. And we play this fair card, right? We play this card where we say, it's not fair because I work just as hard as they work. How come I don't have the same things they do? Or it's not fair because we're better parents than them, objectively, and our kids aren't like their kids. How come their kids are all these things and my kids aren't? It's not fair. It's not fair because I've been doing this job just as long or longer than this person. And how come they get the promotion? It's not fair. And we get mad at them. It's not fair because their parents helped them. That's how they could buy this thing. But if my parents helped me, I could buy that too. It's not fair. The reality is we don't want fair. We say we want fair, but we don't want fair because if we blinked and there was an equal distribution of wealth, if we blinked and there was an equal distribution of opportunity and success and achievements across the world, every single person in this room would take giant steps back. Every single person. We don't want fair. If we're honest, we don't want fair. Do you know what we want? More. We want more. See, I don't want fair. What I want is I want to be even with you. Or maybe a further, just a little more than you. 
I want your thing, but just a little better. I want the cum of everyone in this room and then just a little more. That's what I want. I want to be able to have what you have, buy what you have, fit into the clothes that you fit into. I want to know what you know. I want to be able to do what you do. I want to be able to go to the places that you go to. I want to be able to experience everything you experience. But what I need is I need, an, I need a word. I need something to describe this ugly thing. I need an excuse to describe this ugly thing in my heart because it can't be jealousy. I'm not envious. I'm not jealous. It's got to be you. It's got to be your problem. You're just materialistic. That's why you buy the things that you buy that I wish I could buy. You're not wise with money. That's why you get to do the things that you get to do that I don't get to do. Oh, you, you, this nepotism, that's why you got the promotion that I should have gotten that I wish I had. It's, it's you. It's not my heart. I'm not jealous. You're messed up. You're wrong. But what it is is jealousy. I'm jealous of your kids, your vacations, your stuff. And jealousy is not about circumstances. It never was. Just like everything we talked about in the series, anger, guilt, and greed, and now jealousy, has nothing to do with what's going on out there. It has everything to do with what's going on in here. That's why the series is called What Came From Within. It's this. It's not that. It's this. And you know how we know this to be true? Because if you were to have all the stuff, if you were able to go all the places, if you were able to fit in those clothes again, if you were to have all the achievements, if you were to have the kids that accomplished all the things that their kids accomplished, you know what would happen? You'd still be jealous. You'd still be envious. You would just move on to somebody else. Right? Because there's always bigger fish. There's always someone that works less than you, that makes more than you, and it's a heart issue. It's a heart issue. At the end of the day, it's a heart issue, and it's called envy or jealousy. And the dilemma is that I think you're my problem. I think the situation is if you would spend your money better, that I wouldn't have to be jealous. If you would always be posting about all the cool stuff you get to do, the, the meals you're having, the car, whatever, the things. If it's good, it, you post to, you are materialistic, and you post about the things too much. Quit posting about the things your kids are doing. Quit posting about the things that you bought. Quit posting. No, 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 it's me. It's me. The dilemma is I think you're my problem. So I distance myself from you or I unfollow you or I un unfriend you. But you're not my problem. Do you know how I know that real practically? It's because you can't solve my problem. I know you're not my problem because you can't solve my problem. And that's what makes jealousy so gross. So insidious. Because we know this to be true. If we just take some time to think about this, the only thing that person can do to make you feel better, the only thing that person can do to help you with your jealousy, the only thing that person can do to make the jealous person feel just a little bit better is to fail. Right? How messed up is that? Oh, they got a car, they got a car accident? That new shiny $100,000 car that I want. I mean, I don't want, I'm, I'm happy for them, I guess, but that they got, that I wish I had. Oh, oh, it got totaled. How sad. How sad. Oh, they lost their job? The promotion they just got? Yeah, okay. Well, is it, am I in the running? Right? Oh, or your friend goes, hey, so I, I saw so and so at the beach. They don't look as good as they used to look. You're like, oh, how, how terrible. How terrible. And what happens is, for them to fail, it eases your jealousy a little bit. We've all heard, and this is taking a step further, we've all heard 
times where something happened to somebody and we know we should feel bad for them, but if it's someone that we're jealous of, if we're honest, we're secretly a little happy until you catch yourself and realize that's messed up. What is that? Where does that feeling of being happy for someone's hurt, someone's pain, someone's loss, where does that come from? Your heart. It comes from a jealous heart. It comes from within. Again, it's not a heart issue. It's not a circumstance issue. Those people aren't bad. The people that got the thing that you want or got the person you want or whatever, got the experience of things that you want, those people aren't bad necessarily. What they're doing is they're just highlighting insecurities in you that you would like to ignore. Those people surface jealousy and you are not your problem. But what they're doing is they're giving you a gift. They're giving you an opportunity to see jealousy in your heart. So do you know what jealousy is really saying? Jealousy isn't saying that I wish I had what you had. That's part of it. But I think what jealousy is really saying is God owes me. I want us to really camp on this. What jealousy is really saying is God owes me. He owes me a certain kind of job, a certain kind of workspace. He owes me a certain kind of spouse. He owes me a certain kind of kids, a certain kind of success. That God owes me a certain kind of house or a certain kind of body or a certain kind of gifts and talents. All those things that I'm envious, that I'm jealous of in other people's lives, God owes that to me. How come I don't get to do what they do, have what they have, or experience what they get to experience? How come I had a toxic work environment when they don't? How come? How come I got to experience hurt and pain? Why didn't God do anything about that? You feel like God ripped you off. He could have kept your health from failing. He could have kept your marriage together. He could have kept your accident from happening. He could have, but he didn't. I don't know why. And it's not fair. But the wild thing is, God's never claimed to be fair. He never has. In Daniel 4, chapter, or chapter 4, verse 35, the, the pagan king says this. He says, he does as he pleases. Talking about God. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of earth. He does what he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of earth. No one can hold him back or say to him, what have you done? Even this pagan king realizes that God does whatever he wants to do. The theological word there is sovereign. Sovereign. In other words, God can do what he wants to do and we trust his character. And there's a whole lot of times in our lives where it won't make any sense. But it doesn't mean it doesn't make any sense from God's point of view. First Corinthians actually takes it a step further. Paul talks about how God distributes talents and gifts and strengths to people. And then it says this, this, in this phrase, as he sees what? Fit. As he sees fit. Do you know what as he, as he sees fit means? You get it, you don't. That's what it is. And I don't know why. You know the, 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 the parables that Jesus talked about where he would take three people, metaphorically, because it was a parable, and he would say that the, the, the person would give 10 talents to this person, five to this person, or three to this person. He would give this much money to this person, this much money to this person, this much money to this person. You know what people rarely preach about? How come this guy got 10, this guy got one? It's fine to be the 10 person, but if you're the one person, you're like, whoa, bro. <laughs> you know what I mean? How come they get to have a house? How come they get to have this? How come they get to have 
How come they get to have kids and we can't get pregnant? Why? That's not fair. It's not supposed to be fair. It's not supposed to be even. It's not the same thing as to everybody. But you see, my, my problem, your problem is not with your boss, your neighbor, your friend. My jealous heart has nothing to do with them. It has to do with my heart. Because I feel like between me and God, God owes me. Has nothing to do with other people. Has nothing to do with what's out there. It's what's in here. So the Bible says that God is love, right? And in 1 Corinthians uh, 13, is a passage that we've all heard at many weddings. I say it at every wedding I perform, right? 1 Corinthians 13, it says, what is love? So Jesus was asked, actually, what is the greatest commandment, right? 600 and some commands, laws, between laws and the prophets. And he says, which, the, the, the Pharisees asked him, which law is the most important? Of all these 600 and some laws, what was Jesus' response? Love God, love people. That love is a cornerstone. Your love between this relationship and love between these relationships. Love is a cornerstone. Not have a relationship, have a relationship, but love and love. That is the crux. And we all know the best times in our life is when there's love and love, and the worst times in our life when there's not love and not love. Right? You can have all the stuff in the world, but when there's not love here, when there's not love there, you feel it. So God says, man, this is the most important thing. And then a lot of us, because we try to explain what love is or we try to give excuses for what love is, Paul takes it further in 1 Corinthians 13 and explains what love actually is. And we've all heard this so many times, it can become almost pink noise to us. But he says, love is patient, love is kind. It does not, what? Envy. And it goes on to list a bunch of other stuff. Love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy. And when we put envy into this conversation, when we put envy into this conversation, love cannot exist. Envy is incompatible with love. As long as you allow jealousy to take root in your heart, you'll be unable to do what God has asked you to do. As long as you allow envy to take root in your heart, you'll never be able to have a a strong relationship, either peer level or with your kids or with your spouse or with your neighbors or your boss or your employees. Because there will always be someone in your life that has what you don't have, that experiences what you don't experience, that does what you don't get to do. And if you allow envy to color that relationship, love cannot exist in that relationship. And again, God says your problem isn't with the people you're jealous of. God says your problem's with me. You're mad at me. Because I didn't give you the experience, the thing, the relationship, the person. I didn't give you what I gave to the other person. You're mad at me. You take it out on them, but you're mad at me. So I want to give you three things. They're super simple. I want to give you three things I want to challenge you to do to take a path forward. First one is this. It's so basic, but just embrace this truth. I think God owes me. I think God owes me. When you get jealous, when you're scrolling Instagram, and you're like, really? Another trip? Really? Your car was fine. You got, really? You bought, really? Yeah, I get it. You had another perfect Pinterest, like, dinner. Like, we went to McDonald's. Like, you, like, you just threw together some lobster and beef Wellington. You know, you know it's like, what are you, yeah, your house looks, it's like Santa threw up in your front yard. I get it. You're awesome. Right? Every time you feel jealousy and envy and you, and you, and you, you want to, like, Give like comments with edge. 
There's an edge to your like, I'm so happy for you, right? It's like there's something, what is that? Every time you feel that, you want to embrace this truth. I think God owes me that. I want the red crayon. I wanted that Lego. God, how come I don't get to have that Lego? That person bothers me because I think God owes me. I I celebrate when that person fails because I think God owed me that thing first. I, I, I distance myself from people who have successes that I don't have because I think God owed that success to me. So one, just recognize the truth. I think God owes me. Second thing is this. You're not going to want to do this. I'm telling you, you're not going to want to do this. It's like your personal trainer going, stop eating pizza, run. Like, I don't want to. Is there like a pill I can take? Is there like a, can I just like get like a total body gym with Chuck Norris? And can I just get ripped that way or a thigh master or something? No, you're going to have to do things you don't want to do. Second thing is one of those things. Confess your jealousy to them. You're already wanting to go to step number three, right? You know, it's like, Confess your jealousy to them. You've been treating someone strange. You feel it. They may not, but you feel it. You've been distancing yourself from someone. You've unfollowed someone. And if they're not even close, who cares? But if if they're a close relationship, if they were a close relationship, but jealousy has gotten in the way, and a lot of times jealousy is really one-sided. You know, it's like the person with the 10 talents. They're not going, man, I I wish I had one talent, right? The person with one's like, I really... I would have taken five or ten. I don't know why I'm this guy with the one, right? So a lot of times jealousy is one side, and the person who's that you're jealous of is oblivious to it. They're just wondering why you got why you kind of ghosted them. They're wondering why you disappeared. So you've been treating someone strange, or maybe there's an edge to your compliments. It's like, oh, good job. You went on another vacation. So happy for your new home that's better than your last great home that I wanted. So happy you upgraded your car that was two years old and very happy for you. There's an edge. Why? Because you're jealous. And go to them and just say this. Look, I've made it weird. I've made it weird. I don't know if you felt it, but I felt it. I've made it weird. Because I'm jealous. I don't want to be but I'm jealous. I'm jealous of the way you look. I'm jealous of what you have. I'm jealous of the praise you're getting that I'm not. And it's not you. It's not you. It's me and I want you to forgive me. I've allowed but the jealousy in my heart to drive a wedge in our relationship. It's allowed weirdness into this relationship and I don't want that to be there anymore. That's hard. But confess your jealousy to them. And three, celebrate the people you're jealous of. This one's hard too, but not as hard as the last one. Celebrate people and do it publicly. Hey, congratulations on your promotion, your car, your house, your new wardrobe, whatever. The, congratulations. I'm so happy for you. I'm so glad the thing that we, we both worked on separate projects together and yours succeeded and mine's kind of plateaued. I'm so happy for you. Your vacation looked amazing. This one too. Again, amazing. I'm so happy for you. And you don't have to end it with, maybe one day I can like leave the house if my baby would stop crying. Like, you don't have to do that, right? Hey, your idea in the meeting, so good. Not as good as the meeting, the idea I had last week. 
Your idea was so good. I'm so glad you're on the team. See, your celebration will break the hold of jealousy. And you may go, Taka, that's insincere. That's being fake. No, it's not. Right? No, it's not. Was the vacation cool? So cool that you wish you went on it? Is the house nice? So nice that you wish you had it? Was the idea good? So good that you wish you had it? Or maybe you wish you were listened to when you had that same idea earlier and no one listened? Was the idea good? Then just say it. It's not being fake. Just say it. It's being mature. What you're saying to jealousy is that you refuse to get mad at God because he knows what he's doing. You refuse to allow weirdness in relationships that matter to you. I refuse to let my heart and my life be governed by jealousy and envy. And I'm going to develop a habit of celebrating people that I usually get jealous of. And I want you to think about what would you do or what would your life look like if you just did that? What would your life look like if you just did that? Every time you got jealous of someone and it got weird, you told them and you confessed to them and it would, it would draw you closer together. Every time someone succeeded around you or got something cool around you, you celebrated that with them. What would that look like? What would happen in your heart if you could develop a habit of celebrating people? Because at the end of the day, isn't that what you would want someone to do for you? You think about it. Isn't it? If you got the promotion, if you got the job, if your kids won an award, if you lost a bunch of weight, if you got jacked, I mean, I'm working on my one pack, I'm doing really good right now. Like if, if you, you get the thing, you get the success, whatever, don't you want that to create celebration from people, to be excited for you because you're friends? Not, that would kill, it would kill me if it, if it created weirdness with people I love if it created toxicity in their heart because somehow I got blessed this round and that's not what I would want. So Jesus would say things like, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So if you would want that, why don't you celebrate other people? If you would want people to ask for forgiveness if they allowed weirdness in the relationship, do that to other people. Jealousy drives a wedge between us and celebration draws us closer. I know that's hard. It's a weird way to end this series. But we want us to think about it. This is, these are one of those talks where it's so easy to go, yeah, nope, I'm not going to do it. Cool. Great time at church. I'm going to make an ornament and leave. Please. And you know where you're going to sense it? You're going to sense it next time you're on social media. Please. My, my prayer this week is that God would use something that we said today to inspire something that would bother you in the right ways. It would bother you when jealousy is allowed to grow in your heart, when envy is allowed to grow in your heart, because that's not what God wants for you. And I want to ask you this. Has it done anything in your heart positively so far? Has being jealous of anybody in your life brought anything positive in your heart so far? Then why not change it? Why not change it? So your heart is full of peace, not anxiety. Joy, not envy. Right? Let me pray for us. And we'll, we'll sing one last song together as we close. But I know this is not a feel good. We're going to, you know, we're going to talk about like a really cool thing next week. And then we're going to go through Christmas. And then we're going to do Churches Left the Building, which will be really positive, And then we'll see you in 2022. It'll be a great swing after this. But this four or five weeks is going to be, it, it's open heart surgery. And we knew that. We knew that. 
but it's worth it. It's worth it. Man, I'd rather take five weeks to talk about these kind of things than just come to church and kind of fluff each other up, make ourselves feel good, and live at the surface and go on. God bless you. Good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. Thanks for coming to church. And underneath the surface, you're still a whole lot of junk. Right? Now, I don't don't want us to be the kind of people, the kind of Christians, especially Christians are great at creating veneer. Jesus says Christians are really great at creating these situations where you're perfect on the outside, dead men's bones on the inside. There's nothing there. And we're going to be the kind of church that has a hard conversation that makes us feel really uncomfortable at times so that there's life and truth and peace and an authentic following of Christ in here that fleshes itself out here. And if we can be the kind of church, I just want you to imagine, just, I didn't write this down, but I just want us to think about this. Like, if, if Christians were known for being loving, peace-filled, celebrating when people won, if Christians were known as quick to listen and slow to speak, if Christians were known as, man, it's so hard to get them angry, they're so humble, they're so generous, it's almost wild to think about it because that's not what Christians are known for. And it's sad. It's sad. I wonder if more people would want to know Jesus if we just did what he asked us to do. He never asked us to just to sing songs and listen to a TED Talk and go home. He asked us to do hard work. That man looks on the outside, God looks at the inside. That this is where the battle is. And the hard part about the battles being in here is no one applauds when you get victory because no one sees it. So then we don't focus on here. We focus on out here because that's what people see. It's easier to get a nice haircut. It's easier to get nicer clothes. So people say, wow, look at the change you've made and let this die on the inside. Do the hard work. It's worth it. It's worth it. Because one day all this will fade. Gravity and wrinkles will take, will reshape your body. This is really who you are, not this. So, I'm done. Let's pray. God, we just, uh, we don't want to live a facade, God. We don't want to just play church. God, I pray for no condemnation, no guilt. I pray that people would leave full of hope, full of joy, full of peace, full of dreaming of what possibly could be. God, I pray that we would leave understanding that this is not something that you want from us. This is something you want for us, that you want us to get this toxic stuff out of our heart, God. So would you help us to do it? Holy Spirit, we need you. God, we, Holy Spirit, we need you to do more than give us goosebumps during worship. God, we, we need you to supernaturally help root this junk out of our hearts. We don't want to look like we're healthy. We want to be healthy. We want to be able to see our friends be blessed and be happy for them. Genuinely happy for them. God, would you help us to be people that inspire and encourage those around us, celebrating with those around us. We love you, God, but we need your supernatural ability to do this because on our own, we can't. We love you, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, will you stand to your feet? Let's, let's sing this.